0: Welcome everyone to First Baptist Church of Shakota's Audio Sermon. My name is Jeff Holt. I'm the student pastor here. I want to give a thank you to all those who are listening to us today on our church app, but also want to give a thank you to those who came to our Sunday night service with our teen adult service in our student center. I know I thoroughly enjoyed it. All our bands said that they enjoyed playing for you guys, and it was a great time of fellowship, and a great night of worship. Thank you again for all who came out to be a part of that. In the upcoming weeks, I do want to announce that we're going to be starting a new series called The Miracles of Jesus. This would be a great opportunity for you to visit us in the Shakota area if you're listening to us and do not have a place to worship. We'd love for you to join us on Sunday mornings at 945 for our Sunday school time and 1055 for our worship time. This past Sunday, Pastor Steve brought a powerful message about doing things only halfway as a follower of Jesus. The king that we looked at was said to have done the right things in the eyes of the Lord, but he only did them halfway. Pastor Steve also mentions a church that was found in Revelation chapter 3 that was also lukewarm in the eyes of God, and it didn't please him either. Pastor Steve is going to be reading from 2 Chronicles in chapter 25.
1: Now, let me let me let me say this as, as you're turning to 2 Chronicles chapter 25. Uh, as we talked through the kings, as we've been looking at the kings of Judah, guys, I know that it's been Kind of a heavy sermon series, and I mean heavy as in convicting, uh, because it's convicting me as I I study through and as I go through. And uh, but you know, I I I will never apologize for for preaching God's word or preaching what God lays upon my heart. We are going to come to a new sermon series. We're going to start looking at the miracles of Jesus before too long. Uh, but today. Uh, will be a kind of a heavy, heavy kind of topic. And, and I never, my intention is never to step on someone's foot. I hear people say, man, you stepped on my toes today. And I'm like, I wasn't aiming for your toes. I was aiming for your heart, okay? And uh, so let's just see what God will do. Respond. If God, if God lays something on your heart and you feel like you need to publicly respond, I always encourage you to do that. If you say, well, I can just sit right here in my pew and I can pray and I can, I can work things out with God I mean you just our, our goal the invitation is never offered to you by this church is always offered to you by God to respond to his word and that's that's our intent all right Amaziah you, everybody take a just take a deep breath ready blow it out here we go here we go you guys are like man what kind of sermon are you preaching today here we go Chapter twenty-five, Second Chronicles chapter 25, read with me verse 1. Amaziah was 25 years old when he became king. He reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother's name was Jehododin. She was from Jerusalem. Now here's, here's verse 2. It's encouraging but also discouraging. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord but not wholeheartedly. Wow. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, but not wholeheartedly. That kind of kind of sums up sometimes most of us, doesn't it? We want to, Now listen, we want to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord, but sometimes our hearts get so distracted, and we wander away, and sometimes we're not wholeheartedly in. Now listen, verse three through verse four you see that he is obedient to to Scripture. Amaziah is obedient because what does he do? The people who killed his father, the people who had his father put to death, he has them put to death. But when you look in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 28, it says that the sins of the father are not to be paid for by the sins of the son. And it says that here in Scripture, verse 4 says, Yet he did not put their sons to death, but acted in accordance with What was written in the law, the book of Moses, where the Lord commanded, Fathers shall not be put to death for their children, nor children put to death for their fathers. Each is to die for his own sin. So Amaziah had the people who killed his father, Joash, he had them put to death. But he did not put to death the children. Tradition was in the Old Testament that you would kill everybody. I mean, you've seen that through, through these queens. You've seen this through Amaziah's grandmother, having their grandkids put to death. I mean, just they would just simply go in, take anybody who was in line for the king, the kingship, anyone who was against the king, they would kill the entire family. But he was obedient to Scripture. So he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, yet he didn't do it wholeheartedly. Well, then he gets ready for battle. Amaziah says we're going to go to we're going to go to battle so he prepares for battle verse 5 through verse 8 and what does he do he goes to Israel now remember the kingdom's been divided you have Judah you have Israel you have you have you have the two tribes and and God was not with Israel during this time he was with Judah because They were following the practices and the laws of God. They were trying to obey the commandments of God. But he goes to Israel and he hires some mercenaries. Amaziah says, I'm going to buy some mercenaries. I'm going to get some people who will fight with me because we're going to go to war. And so he hires these mercenaries. Look at verse 7. Now all of a sudden an unknown prophet comes into his life. And he says, But a man of God came to him and said, O king, these troops from Israel must not march with you, for the Lord is not with Israel, not with any of the people of Ephraim. Even if you go to fight courageously in battle, God will overthrow you before the enemy, for God has power to help or to overthrow. So here is Amaziah. He he, he goes and he hires these, he pays a hefty sum for these mercenaries. He, he finds these, these, this 100,000 or 300,000 men that he had, but then he hires 100,000 fighting men from Israel. He pays them, says, come join us. We're going to go fight. An unknown prophet shows up and says, hey, hang on. You're really kind of getting out of God's will now. You're, you're aligning yourself with Israel, and God's not really with Israel right now because they are way, wayward against God. So Amaziah in verse 9 says, to the man of God. But what about the hundred talents I paid for these Israelites troops? What about the money I paid? I've already given them money. I've already hired these mercenaries. They're going to come fight with us. What do I do? The man of God replied. The Lord can give you much more than that. So what he's saying to him is listen. You don't need to hire these mercenaries. You need to just. You, if you're going to go fight. Go fight. But don't hire these people. You've already paid them. Lose your money. It's better off that you be obedient to God than disobedient to God because disobedience to God will cost you so much more. So verse 10 says, So Amaziah dismissed the troops which had come with him from Ephraim. He sent them home. They were furious with Judah. They left home in great rage. So now you have these 100,000 men that he had paid, and he says, Listen, I I don't need you guys anymore. You guys go away. They go away mad. Not because they wanted to fight, but you know how they got paid? Yes, they got some money, but that money that Amaziah paid was really for the leaders of those 100,000 men that he hired. The, the 100,000 men, the, the fighting troops, when they would go into battle, they would plunder whoever they fought, and that's how they would get their money. Well, their, their generals, their, their commanders, they got paid much like Dabo, we were talking about Dabo last night, the, quarter, the coach from Clemson, he got paid, guys. But I'm just saying, listen, he, Syracuse, Clemson, anyway, doesn't matter, I digress. They were going to get their money when they went into battle, they would get their money from the plunder. So now here's Amaziah saying, listen, I'm going to do what this unknown prophet has told me to do, I'm not going to take you guys with me, so they go away mad. They go away empty-handed. Money has been exchanged, but that money was for the commanders to lead those troops into battle. Are you with me? So, here's Amaziah. He's he's trying to do what's right in the eyes of the Lord, but yet he doesn't do it wholeheartedly. So the mercenaries, on their way home in verse 10 through 13, as they're going back to Israel, what do they do? They raid some of Judah's camp and kill 3,000 people. Amaziah lost 3,000 people because the mercenaries raided people on their way back home because they were upset. So here is an amazing thing. Sometimes it's hard to get our head around some of the things that they do. He dismisses the mercenaries, but look at verse 14. When Amaziah returned from slaughtering the Ephraimites, he goes to war. He takes his 300,000 men. He brought back the gods of the people of Seir, He set them up as his own gods. He bowed down to them. He burned sacrifice to them. The anger of the Lord burned against Amaziah. He sent a prophet to him, another unknown prophet, who said, Why do you consult this people's gods, which could not save their own people from your hand? So here's Amaziah, he sends the mercenaries away, he takes his troops in, he goes in to fight the Edomites, he wins that battle, but then when he's in there, he finds the gods that the Ephraimites worship, he takes those gods home, he goes back to Judah, he goes into the temple of God, he puts up those little gods, and he begins to worship them. Now, who in here would say that makes any sense? Nobody. Because the prophet of God goes to Amaziah and says, Amaziah, are you, pardon me, are you stupid? Those gods that the Ephraimites were worshipping couldn't even protect them because you destroyed the Ephraimites. So why are you taking their gods, and why are you setting them up, and why are you worshipping them? That's who Amaziah was. He was not wholeheartedly following after God he was a man that was much confused I mean it makes no sense why he would do this so let's just wrap up Amaziah and then we're going to leapfrog into something else so Amaziah wins this battle and so after winning this battle Amaziah kind of feels a little empowered and so he gives a shout out to Israel and says hey I'm going to come fight you now. The king of Israel says, Amaziah, if you don't want to come after us, we will take you down. So we find out that with Amaziah, he, he now is, is saying to Israel, I'm going to take you on. He, 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 he challenges Israel. He loses the battle with Israel. And then we find in verse 25, it says, Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, lived for 15 years after the death of Joash, son of Jehozah, king of Israel. As for the other events of Amaziah's reign, from the beginning to end, they are not written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. From the time that Amaziah turned away from following the Lord, they conspired against him in Jerusalem, and he fled to Lashish, but they sent men after him, killed him there. He was brought back by horse and was buried with his fathers in the city of Judah. Now, now let's try and make sense of this. This is a, this is a king of Judah, 25 years old. He, he, he hires some mercenaries. He says, I'm going to go to Israel, hire 100,000 men. We're going to go fight the Edomites because they've been against us the whole time. An unknown prophet comes and says, don't do that. You don't need to align yourself with Israel. So he takes his men in. He goes and he fights the Edomites. He wins that battle. Right, So he 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 wins that battle against the Ephraimites, then he gets a little puffed up, he takes their gods, he brings them back, and, and he, it says he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, but yet he took the gods of, of the Edomites, he brings them into the temple, he sets them up, he says, I'm going to worship these gods, these little figurines, this tall pole, the Asherah pole, the bell gods, I'm going to worship them along with, with Jehovah God, it angers Jehovah God. God is like, what is this dude doing? Why is he worshipping all these false idols? Then, here's Amaziah. He gets a little puffed up. He goes to Israel says, I'm going to fight you now. He loses that battle and he ends up losing his life. Now, how does that equate to us in 2019? And I think that I'm going to leapfrog into a verse, a scripture. Go to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 3. Will you do that with me? Go to Revelation chapter 3 because this verse just kept jumping off the page to me when I'm reading about Amaziah because I think this is kind of who we are sometimes. This is the church of Laodicea. You have the seven churches in the book of Revelation. The church of Laodicea was a very rich church. But there's a passage of scripture in here, and I think this really applies to us. Revelation chapter 3, verse 15. I'm going to start in 14, but we're going to really, we're going to, I'm just, let me just read it to you. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, these are the words of the Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the ruler of God's creation. And this is what God says about the church, and I think this is what he says about most of us. I know your deeds. I know that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Wow. (laughs) So God says this to us today. Steve, I know your deeds. I know you're not really hot for me. I know you're not really cold for me. Steve, I know that really you're kind of lukewarm with your Christianity, and it makes me sick. Steve, I would rather you be on fire for me, but if not, Steve, I'd rather you just be cold. I mean, why cold? I mean, think about it. I mean, you know, I mean, wouldn't you, I mean, warm is almost hot. I mean, warm's kind of almost hot. You know, I mean, wouldn't God rather me just be warm? But he says, no, I'd rather you be hot or cold. See, Amaziah was either hot, he was cold. He did What he did is he wanted to serve God, but he just didn't serve God wholeheartedly. He didn't go all in. He did not serve God with every part of who he was. And God says, be hot or be cold. Don't be both. Lukewarm is being indifferent, it's compromising, it's playing the middle. For most of us in this room, we have enough of Jesus to satisfy... We have enough of Jesus to satisfy our craving of religion, but not enough for eternal life. For most of us in this room, we have enough religion to satisfy our craving. we got enough of Jesus to satisfy our craving of religion, but not enough Jesus for eternal life. And God says either be hot or be cold. Why cold? Because I think God, what God is trying to tell us is the faster you get to zero, the faster you see Jesus is all you need. And if you're lukewarm... If you got enough of Christianity that you satisfy, if you got enough of Jesus that you satisfy your craving of Christianity, then you're just going to skip heaven and go right to hell. And Jesus said, Scripture says, I'd rather you be hot, be completely in, or be completely out. Because if you're completely out, you're going to figure out pretty quickly Amen. that you need to be in. But if you're in the middle then you just have enough to satisfy that craving and you'll just rock along like the people of Noah's day, living life, marrying your children, having fun, and there is a tremendous storm and a flood coming. And you're going to be satisfied and content and you just won't know it. God said either be hot or be cold. Well, what else does that remind us of? Me. Well, when when I think of this, I go back And I think in 1 Kings, when Elijah was out on on Mount Carmel. And Elijah's up on Mount Carmel, and he's battling the, 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 the prophets of Baal. And Elijah went up before the people, and he said, How long, now this is the words of Elijah, and listen to what he said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Bell is God, follow him. Amaziah is a picture of a lukewarm person, a lukewarm believer, a lukewarm Christian, and most of us in this room are lukewarm. But most of us, most every Christian in every church in America is lukewarm. And God says either be hot or be cold quit trying to play the middle because you are confusing a lost world. You're confusing people who truly don't know who I am. You're confusing people who think one thing, see something in my life and go, well, that makes no sense. I must be okay. And God says, either be hot, be cold. But what happened that day when Elijah's on Mount Carmel? Real quickly, we know that Elijah stood up to the 200 and... 50 prophets of Baal. They have two altars. Elijah says, hey, listen, you know, you prophets of Baal, you you worship your God, and let's see who rains down fire from heaven. Let's see who is the true God. And that's what God wants to do. God wants to make his name famous in our life. And so what God wants to do is he wants to bring fire out of, I mean, he just wants fire to fall upon us, and, and so Elijah says to the prophets of Baal, "Listen, you guys, do your thing." So the prophets of Baal, they set up the altar, they take their calf, they cut it, they do all this, and they pray, they dance around, they're slashing themselves, they're worshiping to this false god Baal, saying, "Okay, you know, let fire fall. Let's show that you're God." And Elijah's just sitting back; he's just watching all this. So after they don't, after fire doesn't fall, what does Elijah do? Elijah says, "Okay, guys, now it's my turn." And he says, get the wood. With the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. He dug a trench around it large enough to hold two, two seas of, of, of seeds. He arranged the wood. He cut the bull into pieces. He laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, fill four large jars with water. Pour it on the offering on the wood. Now, that's one thing to, to, to pour water on the offering. I think he's trying to show, you know, Who God really is but they're also in this time of drought if you remember that then in verse 34 he says do it again and they said they they would do it again take the water pour it on the altar a second time then he said take the water get more water pour it on the altar a third time and they did that a third time The water ran down and around the altar and it even filled the trenches. At the time of sacrifice, the Elijah prophet stepped forward. He prayed, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, O Lord. Answer these people so they will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then fire of the Lord fell, and it burned up the sacrifice and the wood and the stone and the soil, and it licked up all the water in the trench. God clarified who he was that day. And what God wants to do in your life is to clarify who he is to you. But he wants you to clarify it to the people around you of who God is in your life. Clarify it if you're lukewarm. You can clarify who God is if you're lukewarm. If you're trying to have, live in the world and, you know, the Bible says be in the world but not be of the world. But here's my question What was sacrificed that day? You say, well, wasn't it a bull? Well, they had a bull. The prophets of Baal had an altar and they had a bull. What was sacrifice that day? What did the fire fall on? The fire fell on a sacrifice. And I promise you this, God's fire won't fall in your life unless there's a sacrifice. Unless you sacrifice something. What was it? What was sacrifice that day? God wants to bring the fire God won't bring the fire without sacrifice. Fire falls when you put something on the altar. And Hebrews eleven six tells us this. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Faith that day, when Elijah was on Mount Carmel, faith that day was sacrificed. Because here's what Elijah said. Elijah was saying, I have no plan B here. We're going to build an altar. We're going to to douse it with water. I'm going to prove God's going to show who he is. God's going to clarify it today of who he is. And Elijah is saying, I have no plan B Elijah saying, I'm either going to die this day on this mountain or God's going to show who he is. And fire fell that day, and it landed on a sacrifice, and the sacrifice it landed on was his faith. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now tell me if you feel like this sometimes in your spiritual life. Tell me if this picture kind of represents who we are. We kind of feel this way sometimes because i to, they're going to put a picture up here. See, this is a pole vaulter. Now, I know if you're in the back, you may not be able to see it, but there's a TV back there if you don't turn around. But this is a guy with a pole, and he's vaulting over this top pole, right? And sometimes, if you're like me, you feel like that pole is the mark of salvation, and for you and I, we look at this and go, there is no stinking way I can get over that pole. I mean, I could train for years, Brian, and I would never be able to get over that pole. David could train for 14 years, and I doubt there's any way David could get over that pole. Unless you put us in a cannon and shoot us. But I'm, I mean, that, that's cheating. But if that pole is the mark of salvation, how in the world, are, do you feel like that sometimes? feel like, I, I can't do this. But here's the great thing. I don't have to jump over that pole and you don't have to jump over that pole and David doesn't have to jump over that pole because Jesus Christ was able to get over the pole. And all I have to do is to be on his team. That's it. All I have to do is be on team Jesus because he gets over the pole every time. I don't have to. What that does is, and this is what it all comes down to, guys. Listen, it is by faith, it is by grace that we are saved. It is not because of us. Ephesians tells us, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself, it's the gift of God. And that day on Mount Carmel, Elijah put his faith on the line and said, God, here it is. I have no plan B. I'm either going to die here today or you're going to be glorified. But we sit here as lukewarm believers in God going, I got enough Jesus that I satisfy my religious craving. And that's a dangerous place to be God says you be hot or be cold. But you can't be in the middle. And America Christianity is in the middle. And we're in danger. And Amaziah showed it to us. He tried to do what he, I mean, he, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, but he didn't do it with a whole heart. And he just went wayward. Because of the cross of Jesus Christ, and see, what I picture in my mind is Jesus running down the track with the cross, and he just leapfrogs over that pole. It's because of the cross. And our faith and say, God, my goal is that I keep training to get over that pole because I understand that you died for me because I was separated from you because of my sin. When I was born into this world, I was born separated from him because we were all born with sin nature. It's not that you're a better person or I'm a better person than you or you're a better person than me. No, we're all on a level playing field. We were all born separated from God because of sin nature because of what Adam and Eve did. It brought sin into the world, and that sin nature is in us. So when we're born into this world, we're born separated from God and the mark of salvation is that pole and you and I can't get over it but Jesus did because of the cross and all I have to do is give my life to him if I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and I believe in my heart that God raised me from the dead the Bible says I will be on King Jesus' team and I will be able to be on the other side of that pole because of him, not me and I will be a winner one day not because I'm a good guy it's just because of my faith I gave it to God it's that easy sometimes we look at that pole and go it's impossible I just quit don't quit don't quit just go all in don't be lukewarm because that'll only lead you to a Christless eternity
0: Thank you again for listening to today's message. Join us again next week as Pastor Steve will be delivering another message from God. For more information and previous sermons, please check out our website at shakotafbc.com or download our church app today.